Hi, this is Sergeant Betsy Brander-Smith with the National Police Association, and this is the NPA Report. I have a gentleman with me that is just an absolutely fascinating guy. He's an Army vet. He's a cop. He's a now he's a podcaster and a radio host. He's a fitness buff, and uh, and and he's my friend. And I am so happy to welcome Gil Contreras to the show. Hi, Gil. Wow, Sarge, what a what an intro! I want to meet that guy. He sounds great. <laughs> thanks oh, uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, we're excited to have you here. I, I wanna... and, may, and may I just say that I am so proud to be on the show that Mike the Cop was on. I mean, right? I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan. I watched it last night, and I was like, oh my god, I get to be on the same show. So uh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, he's almost as funny as JD Buck Savage, you know. Yeah. We also had <laughs> which is on. hard to do. <laughs> exactly. Well, I want to get right into it because you're in the uh, Los Angeles area, and uh, homicides are on the rise. What uh, what's going on out there? Well, you know, uh, California became a, a sanctuary state a long time ago, and and it was just for for uh, illegal immigration. But uh, as this progressive politics has taken over the Democrat party, uh, more and more cities and counties in this state have taken on this progressive attitude that really began during the Obama administration. And so uh, we, have, we have these policies now that are soft on crime and the newly elected DA to LA County, his name is George Gascon. He's a former police uh, commander, I think, or deputy chief from LAPD. But he was uh, uh, the district attorney up in San Francisco. And after they destroyed that city, you know, he left that job, came down here. And now he's trying to destroy our city with these new directives. Um, he has decided that they're not going to use, uh, they're not going to uh, seek uh, enhancements, gun enhancements, gang enhancements, uh, no more special circumstances. And, and, and so the criminal element has just... Uh, They've been emboldened. They're not afraid of the cops anymore. Prop 47 legalized narcotics in this state, legalized theft in this state. Prop 57 uh, reclassified serious violent felonies to simple felonies so that they could qualify for early release under AB 109, which was signed into law by former Governor Jerry Brown. So the politics, the Democrat politics is killing the state, the county, and now it's killing my city. And see, that's the things I, I want people to understand, you know, the, the National Police Association is an apolitical organization, but people have to realize that elections have consequences. And we when we bring in these overly progressive laws that favor the criminal over the victims, we end up with situations like you have there in LA, like we have in Chicago and, and New York and Portland and Seattle and Baltimore. San Francisco, you know, all, all over the country. Right. And, and you know, it's so yes, to quote Barack Obama, elections have consequences. They do have consequences. And, you know, he was the first American president to ever say, you know, now that I'm elected, I want to fundamentally transform this country. And some of us were paying attention to what that meant. And now we see the results. And we are a country of laws. We are a country of, of law and order. And But here's the thing, that when you talk about the Constitution or you talk about people obeying the laws, it, our laws are very much a, a gentleman's agreement, if you will. Most people in this country agree to follow the law. 
you know, that's, not that's speed, right. not steal, not murder. But for that element that decides that the law doesn't apply to them, then they become a problem for police officers. But I want people to understand, because they say, why don't the police do something? We can arrest all these people, but if there's no one who will prosecute them, that's right. our arrests are, they're moot, right? Right. People believe, you know, people think uh, mistakenly that when you arrest somebody, oh, well, it's over, the situation's over. The arrest is just the beginning, for God's sakes. You got to book evidence. You got to book a body. You got to write a story. You have to submit it to the DA. They've got to look at it, review it. You know, does it meet the law? And and what did it meet uh, department uh, uh, policy? And then they have to present it to a judge. And then they have to present the facts. And then the you uh, once you get the guy convicted and sent to prison, that's when it's over. It's not at the arrest part. It's at the incarceration part. Exactly. And and you can't you cannot put somebody in jail in our in our justice system without presenting that good solid case and convincing a judge or jury that this person needs to be incarcerated. And yet right. the, the attack on our justice system right now in the United States is very much on the police officer, right? The American police officer. Mm -hmm. And everybody thinks this anti-cop movement started this past spring with George Floyd, but you and I both know that we've actually got to go back to 2014 and look at that, right? That's right. Um, you know, the Obama administration was probably the most anti-law enforcement administration I've seen in my adult life. And, um, you know, I'm a young 60 something. OK, <laughs> so I've been around a minute and I, I've seen uh, I've seen uh, administrations come and go. But I never saw one like that. And I never saw one that was so openly anti-law enforcement. You have to remember that Barack Obama was a black nationalist. He sat in a, in a racist church for 20 years that hates America, hates white people. And so that administration brought this, this new uh, philosophy into the White House and then tried to fundamentally transform the country to meet that. And that's what's happened here. And, you know, in 2008, nobody knew who the guy was, never heard of him. Um, but by 2012, in that election cycle, I knew exactly who he was. I knew exactly what he was about. And I tried to warn people. I tried to talk, you know, it had nothing to do with race. It had to do with policy. And, you know, this experiment called the United States of America was all predicated on uh, voluntary compliance with the law. You know, one of the reasons that, that I started doing Ride Along Radio with a friend of mine in 2016 or 20, 2017, we started doing it because the media gets everything wrong for the most part. And, you know, I was just reading this today. It's from the LA Times. And it was talking about uh, George Floyd. And, and, and this is how they characterize it. Floyd, a black man, was killed by Minneapolis police last May after one officer knelt on his neck for eight minutes as he repeatedly said, quote, I can't breathe, close quote. That is a mischaracterization of what occurred. But when people read that and it came from the LA Times, they're going, oh my God, th th that guy should go to jail. That's murder. And if you look at the if you look at the Emmy report, if you look at his department policy, while that knee on George Floyd's neck was uh, a, a poor choice for that long, I don't know why he did it that long, quite frankly. And uh, and I think he should be disciplined for that. But George Floyd was a career criminal. He was a drug addict. He was committing a crime. He was under the influence of meth and fentanyl. He was beginning to experience excited delirium when he had contact with the police. So I don't know why Officer Chauvin chose to hold him down in that position for that long, because I never would have done that. However, um, 
the the ME report and department policy say, hey, it was okay for him to do that. And, and the ME report says that didn't kill him. Yeah, it, it's going to be very interesting when this case goes to trial um, as far as how people are going to react when they presumably learn the truth. And, and that's, that's right. the thing. And again, of course, that video was abhorrent, but it's probably not murder. And, right. and just like we saw in Baltimore, I think, uh, like we're going to see in Atlanta, mm -hmm. police officers right. are getting uh, fired and you know, immediately fired, charged, and they're getting overcharged and with crimes that they did not commit. And a lot of it's because people do not understand the justice system. Well, they don't understand the justice system, but they have never been to a police academy. They have never worn a police uniform. They have never pushed a, a black and white around a city or a county or a state. They've never had to enforce the law. And because they've never done those things, they have no idea what it's like. You know, all this call for uh, retraining of the, the cops in 2021 are the best trained, best equipped police officers we've ever seen. You know, my academy was probably four and a half months long, a year on probation. And now I'm out there doing my thing. These guys, I think it's like uh, six months now and all this de-escalation training and, and only people who have never had to try to de-escalate someone who, who doesn't want to go to jail. Uh, they're the ones saying, oh, yeah, they sh he should have done something else. He should have tried de-escalation tactics. Like, OK, um, I, I you know what I tell my friends? Because like, I have some activist friends. I have some leftist, you know, kind of leaning friends. And when they start to tell me about the cops and how bad they are and what a bad job they do. I just say here, well, here, um, join, go to your local city, find a reserve a program, become a reserve police officer, go to the academy, graduate, get out there with a training officer, then get out there and try enforcing the law, and then come back in a year and a half or two years, and now tell me about police work. Exactly. And, and, I, and I just want to add this. I'm sorry, but I'm on a roll here. <laughs> you got me going. I think it's organizations like yours are, are more needed now than ever because you you were one of the first ones I ever saw doing media, setting the record straight on the Brianna uh, was that Brianna Taylor Brianna case. Brianna Taylor, yes. The, and and that was mischaracterized, just like this was mischaracterized. What I just wrote, uh, read to you from the LA Times about George Floyd. We need organizations like yours to start speaking out. And I love the fact that you're doing media now. I see you on Fox News and everywhere else. And that's exactly what law enforcement needs because someone has to fight these, these narratives that are not only false, but have been debunked years ago. And that's what, exactly what we're trying to do because there are so many people who support law enforcement, but when all they hear is one side in the media and from our politicians that cops are bad, cops are killers. I mean, you know, unfortunately, we have now we have a, a president who has yet to walk back his comments about racist American police officers, including mm -hmm. telling a young black person that they will likely be shot in the head if they're pulled over by an American police officer. I, 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 we keep asking for those comments to be walked back. I keep asking for that and it doesn't happen. And this right. is very frustrating. We need to be able to coexist with whatever political party happens to be in charge. And right now it's the Democrats. And, and you, know, you know, you and I get to be political, but police officers, have to be apolitical. They right. they have to 
protect everyone. And, and frankly, that's what we do. We don't care about your color or your sexual orientation or, or your job or your politics or anything else. When you call 911 and a dispatcher sends me to protect you, I'm going to do that. I don't care who you are. That's right. You know, I worked with male cops, female cops, black cops, Hispanic cops, white guys, Asian. I worked with everybody. And, 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 you know, when the call comes out, when it's time to hit the lights and siren and get somewhere most skosh to help somebody, we didn't give ethnicity one thought. It was get there safely, get there quick, and then take care of business. And whatever that means, if there's a crime in progress, we're going to stop it. And if you won't back down, we're certainly not going to back down. You know, what I what I watched over the summer of, of 2020 with the riots and, and the looting in Southern California here in Santa Monica and the city of Long Beach and the city of Los Angeles, where these progressive police chiefs have put the, their, their police departments on stand down and won't let them go in there and stop this and just allow them to do it just because, well, we, we don't want to be called names. So we're going to stop the officers from going in there and taking care of business and putting it putting a stop to it. Meanwhile, businesses are being looted and destroyed. People, do you know that in Southern California, people were driving in from counties outside of Los Angeles, driving into Santa Monica, into Long Beach, into West Los Angeles, because they knew the police wouldn't stop them. And once they went into these high-end stores and started stealing property. It's crazy. That, it makes me crazy. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for the residents and the business owners, you know, I know in Minneapolis right now, there's not enough police officers to even answer all the calls. The businesses are, the business owners are so beleaguered because they keep getting robbed by the same people over and over. They keep right. getting victimized and there's not enough cops thanks to defunding uh, and and to the way the, those cops have been treated. You know, so many people are leaving and we're seeing that yeah. All over the country, police officers are, are leaving areas like L.A. and, and uh, Chicago and Minneapolis and New York. And they're coming to places like, uh, you know, the, uh, the south of Washington state, not Seattle, mm -hmm. but they're going south to Spokane. They're going to Idaho. They're coming to Arizona. They're going to mm -hmm. Wyoming. And we're, I, do you believe we're going to eventually have a recruiting and retention crisis here uh, in yep. urban areas? I think we already do. And, and I think, uh, you know, they're going to, you know, they tried this experiment in the 80s where, where they said, hey, the police departments aren't diverse enough. So we're going to just lower standards. And, uh, and I remember, you know, uh, in, in the city of Long Beach, you know, they went from stress academies to no stress academies, they wanted it to be like, uh, like a college class, right, the police academy. <laughs> And, uh, and they had the most trouble with those classes that graduated from there. They had the most trouble with those officers. They didn't get through probation. And in fact, me and my partner ended up arresting a Long Beach police officer on duty. We were on duty. He was just off duty. And he's you know in the housing projects, buying crack cocaine with a prostitute, going to a hotel to smoke it up. And he had his radio and his ID. You know, as soon as, he, as, soon as I walked up to the car and pulled him out, uh, I recognized the pants he was wearing. I just said to him, I said, hey, where do you work? And he said, I'm a police officer in Long Beach and my badge and gun are under the seat. I mean, wow. you know, we've already have a recruiting problem. And, you know, back in my day, if you had a DUI, you had a very difficult time getting hired by a police department. 
Now, if you did crack, for God's sakes, and it's been a year or two, you're, okay, we'll, we'll let you in and we'll just, we'll just try this in this effort to uh, make the department look more like the community it serves. And, you know, in Los Angeles, the LAPD, the LA Sheriff's Department, the most of the department is minorities now. You see, you know, nothing but Mexican and black cops everywhere, females everywhere. That's who's, run, that's who's out there uh, working the streets. So and, I don't know. What, what's the relationship with the community? Has it changed? You know, I think I think it's a good one with the law-abiding community. Right. You know the the, uh, the the Black Lives Matter movement. They really should rename their 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 title to Black Criminal Lives Matter, because that's who they're protecting out here. That you know, if you, I still, I'm still in South Central for God's sakes. So, you know, I have a, a, I work for a government contractor. I do some stuff in the city. I'm still out there. And the majority of the people who live in South Los Angeles are law-abiding citizens. And they just want to have what I want to have, a nice, quiet neighborhood. They want to be able to walk to the store without being harassed. They want to be able to sit on their front porch, have a cigar, have a glass. They want the same things we do. But 90, 95% of the problems being caused by like 7% of the population. And they draw 90% of the resources from the police department. So... You know, they they want they want what I want. They want enough cops to feel safe. Well, and in fact, there was there was a, uh, a Gallup poll and a Monmouth poll um, just a couple of months ago that said exactly what you said: the people in bad neighborhoods, and especially people of color, they don't want defunding for the police. They want more police. They That's don't right. want less police in their neighborhood. They want more police to patrol their neighborhood and arrest people. Because just because you live in a poor neighborhood doesn't mean you're a criminal. But That's right. in poor neighborhoods, the criminals find poor people easier prey because you know they don't have the resources to fortify their homes and they don't uh, have the resources to purchase and train with a firearm and, and right. have a big dog and all the things that you know people in the suburbs do. Right. And, you know, this call for uh, removing police from schools in, in Los Angeles at LA Unified School District. You know, if you talk to parents, you know, the, the, the school district, the school district, the, the student population is mostly black and Hispanic. You know, the, the people who can and, and the teachers, they all put their kids in public school or parochial school, you know, but to, to for politicians to say, hey, we're going to take school police off campus and then and leave your kids with nothing but counselors, you know, the parent, the parents don't want that, but that's not who you see on the media. That's not who they interview. And, and this is one of the things that I plan to do with my platform, my, my new podcast platform, is I plan to bring the voices and the stories of these people who never get, you never hear them on mainstream media. That's who you're going to hear on my podcast. Gil, talk about your, the new podcast that you have coming up, because it's really exciting. Well, I, you know, I'm very fortunate. Um, Salem Media Group, who's a kind of conservative Christian uh, organization, company, corporation, I guess, uh, realized that, that there's uh, a population of Latinos that are out there, both Spanish speaking and English speaking, that aren't being talked to. And so they wanna pull in some of, of that audience. Their data tells them that Latinos are listening to podcasts more often and their uh, more radio listeners are, are Latino. And so they're trying to reach that that population and so they created and funded i might add a whole new division called salem c si like c said well they you know <laughs> and so 
I am so fortunate because uh, a friend of mine is the VP, David Cruz. He's a longtime news guy here in LA and in, and in Texas. He's done a million, you know, I couldn't even list his CV if I had to, but he asked me if I would uh, be a content uh, producer for the, for this new platform. And I said, yes. And, and um, you know, and part of, part of what I'm going to do is bring those stories. And the first guy I interview, my first show is with detective, uh, Gil Carrillo, who's a retired LA County Sheriff's Department homicide investigator, who, who with his partner, Frank Salerno, put Richard Ramirez on death row. And it's a fascinating story. And there's a new Netflix documentary we had to get, you know, I had to have my people call his people. <laughs> but we got it cleared. I did a one hour interview with him. And in it, we don't really talk about Ramirez so much, but we do talk about Gil Carrillo as a man, as a Hispanic, as a father, as a detective, and what it was like to work such a high profile case. And he really reveals himself in this. And he became emotional a couple of times. And I became emotional also because when you're speaking truth with someone, you're speaking honest, heart to heart, openly, without trying to hide anything or the facades that we generally you know, put up for people. Um, it, it was a great conversation and I can't wait for it to get on the air. Well, and, and the great thing about that is you're showing, you know, not just a cop, but a homicide investigator as a real human. Yeah. And, and that is, you know, and that's something that I think is so lacking today Right. is people think, you know, cops are just these machines. And uh, no, like you said, you know, we're, we're parents, we're people, we're, and, and those, especially a high profile case, but any case just yeah. really, it, it affects us. You know, we, we talk it so does. much about police officer mental health. I want to thank you for spending time with us today. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. This year, over 50,000 law enforcement officers have been assaulted while on duty. A vast number of these attacks were filmed and uploaded to social media in the pursuit of likes and attention. What they want to do is film you instead of like, what can I do to help this officer? Together, we can change this disturbing trend. If that individual would have hit the right spot, you know, it, it could have been it for me. You know, last time I would have saw my wife, my kids. I'm Mike Solon. Law enforcement officers need your support. If you see an officer under attack, then follow these simple steps in order to help. 1. Call 911 and give the officer's exact location. 2. Ask the officer if you can assist. If the officer accepts, then do whatever you can do to safely help. 3. If the officer declines, then start filming and be a good witness. It's time to stop filming and start helping.